Welcome to the Chronically Courageous Podcast. I'm your host, Bonnie Howard. Since I was a child, I've had chronic pain, yet was told time and time again that it was all in my head. So I pushed through my symptoms and I built a successful career until I found myself crouched on the floor of my office, barely conscious. After finally getting a diagnosis, I had to learn how to embrace the life I've been given as fully and happily as possible. Now, it's my mission to help you do the same. Join my guests and I each week for inspiring stories and tips on navigating the complexities of chronic illness. Together, I believe we can move forward with courage, passion, and purpose. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to this week's episode of the Chronically Courageous Podcast. I'm your host, Bonnie Howard, and I have the most amazing guest with me here today. Her name is Sydney DiCamilla. Sydney is just amazing. I met her through an online Facebook group, and actually someone that I was friends with in that group posted these videos of her in the hospital and she was really struggling. And so I tuned into her story and it just grabbed my heart right away. And there was something very special about her and something that made me really want to connect with her. And even though I didn't know her, I started messaging her and we just connected. And I think we had this very quick and deep connection and we just had so many things in common. It was it was almost eerie. So it was uh, very, very relatable. So just a little bit of background. Her formal education was in accounting. She actually has a master's degree and worked with Deloitte & Touche, which is now Deloitte, which is a big four accounting firm. And if you know accounting, that's kind of a big deal. She was working for one of the best. She didn't feel like it fit her. And I'll let her speak to that a little bit more. And then got into recruiting finance and accounting people, which is funny because I did the same thing. She's married to her husband, Dave, and they have an amazing magical relationship. And she has a new baby, Rocco. She felt like she wasn't in the right place. So about a year and a half ago, Sydney got into coaching. And I'm going to not tell her whole story because I really want her to tell it from her heart. She's been working on some really exciting things that we'll talk about today and look forward to sharing with you. So Sydney, welcome to the show. Thank you, Bonnie. I'm so happy to be here. Thank you for having me. It's my pleasure and my honor to have you here. Thank you so much for coming on. So just to kind of get started, Sydney, I... I heard your story recently because you started a YouTube channel about how you got into coaching. So usually I start kind of talking about your chronic condition because that's, you know, it's the chronically courageous, but I kind of want to start there and lead into that. So could you tell us a little bit about how you got into your coaching? Yeah. Awesome. So my, uh, as Bonnie said a minute ago, I started my official career with Deloitte & Touche as an auditor. And I did that for a few years and then moved to Tampa, Florida, where I worked for a big financial company and was an auditor for them as well. And plain and simple, I never, ever fit in in corporate America. Like there's just no, it's just, it's pretty basic. Like <laughs> I was a sore thumb the entire time. I just, you know, like I was telling you early, earlier, Bonnie, I, I have such I'm such a people person. I am a connection person. I am so deep 
to the point of, you know, I just remember so many times in corporate America, just people having these really boring conversations and me taking it, you know, down to the depths of like, you know, the psychology behind why maybe this might be happening and everyone just being like, what is she talking about? You I know? love it. I love um, it. I remember a, a old boss of mine telling me once, oh, you just need to learn how to, the political side, the political side of, of corporate America. And I was like, <laughs> what does that even mean? I think I even had to Google what exactly does that even mean? I didn't understand it, you know? <laughs> so I so relate. Yes. It's, um, and so it just the, the amount of anxiety and frustration that I had all those years of doing that, I, you know, I knew that, that it didn't fit me at all, but I had no idea how in the world to tap into what I really was put here to do, or, you know, who my, my true identity and my true calling. I knew it was, it had to do with helping people, but like, how the heck was I ever going to get there? I had a, I spent all this money on a degree. I'm still paying off student loans, you know, like what the heck. And so, um, anyway, long story short, I, I ended up being recruited to become a recruiter for accounting. And, um, that was such a better fit for me. So, cause it was all about people connection and helping people get from one place to another in their career. And, and, and I was pretty good at that. And I did that for five years and then ultimately ended up, and, and I just did a YouTube video on this. So if anyone wants to watch that, they can go and see my first episode on this, but I'll put a link in the show notes for sure. Okay, perfect. So um, toward the end of my five years of recruiting, I was, um, my hus- now husband and I were trying to get pregnant. And lo and behold, turns out I was not fertile. <laughs> I will spare you the details of all of that, but it was one of the most heartbreaking things in the whole world to ever hear. Like there is a slim to pretty much none chance you'll ever be able to have your own children. And so that started me on a very holistic journey of um, complete transformation. And it led me to coaching. And uh, I I was very depressed for about a year during that process where my complete identity was wrapped around trying to become a mother and everything was failing me. My body was failing me. My, you know, all the things that I considered quote unquote successful, what makes you successful in life? I was failing. I I had stopped working. Um, I wasn't um, contributing to my marriage financially. My husband was carrying that burden. And I just had so much guilt and so much shame and oh, all the thoughts about, oh, my poor, poor Dave, my husband, you know, does he regret marrying me? I mean, look at all this drama we've baggage I've brought to the table, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. And um, at the time I was even struggling with an alcohol addiction, working on overcoming that. And I was ad- addicted to Adderall that I took for 20 years. You know, I, I was just a whole nother person and, and I was trying to transform I was lost. I was lost. <laughs> I was lost. and Right. Yeah. Yes. I was lost and I was at the, the depths of despair and I had a great husband, but like, you know, I was swimming in my own self-pity. And I finally, at, after a conversation with a friend, it was brought to my attention, like, let's talk about what you're good at. And she was an old coworker. So, so she knew too. And, you know, I'm just like, I don't know, you know, just uh, and it was just at my lowest of low. And then she's like, what about, you know, people connection, helping people identify what their goals are, what they want to do. And fast forward, we both on that phone call just said, 
what's life? That sounds like life coaching. What do I know about life coaching? You know, I've heard about it. I don't really know much about it. You know, it seems kind of weird. You know, people are actually going to pay for a life coach. What does that even mean? I, I judged it pretty hard. And that day mm -hmm. after that phone call, I Googled what is a life coach? And I just looked at the first three things that popped up and my brain almost exploded out of my head. And I was like, wait a second. That is exactly what I, I love to do. That's what I loved about recruiting. That's just what I love to do and never knew what I was really doing on a personal level. I just love to help people and serve people. And anytime I learn something, I want to share it. And, and I believe in people and I've always seen the potential in everyone around me. And I've just had this fire to try to pull it out of them. Right. Can I, can I ask you one quick question? Yeah. So were you, would you consider yourself to be a successful recruiter? Were you good at it? I eventually became very good at it. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's because you related, you weren't just all about making the sale or, you know, finding someone for the position. You were about actually being with that person where they were and finding out what was meaningful to them. And that's, and you're right. That's what makes you such a good coach. I mean, it's, I, and I can say that because I, I did the same thing and <laughs> I, I, I'll never forget. My boss one day said to me, she said, you have more talent in your little finger than a lot of the people here have in their whole bodies. And it was, it wasn't because I was anything like, you know, smarter or, you know, more experienced in it or anything. It was just about connecting with people, right? That makes all the difference. Just really coming from your heart and doing what you, what you, in your heart, you believe is, is the best thing for your clients, candidates Absolutely. in this case. <laughs> so. Yes. 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 And my, boss at the time and his wife, they were training me in the beginning and, you know, they were trying to train me on the, like, this is how you make money. You make this many calls and this many calls. And, and they soon, it didn't take too long for them to realize that that did not drive me at all. <laughs> mm -hmm. <laughs> I was like that. No, that just gives me complete anxiety. Like then they learned to start training me around, like, here's how you can help people. And here's the value you can add to people. And I was like, Oh, Oh, <laughs> And That's when I smart of them, yeah. When I changed that framework, you know, they were like, "This is how you can help people." And when I changed that framework, I was, you know, all over it, and and I finally totally. became successful once I grasped that. But yeah, that's funny. That's great. That's great. I love that you can relate to that. That's that's funny. I relate to a lot with you, girlfriend. <laughs> I know. I know it's bizarre. So much. And literally within, I think it was the next day or day after, I, I want to say the next day, I, it just was no question. I, I signed up for a coaching school that I had heard about that an old friend of mine had done. I've never been more certain about anything in my life That's ever, awesome. ever, ever, ever. And so That's a great feeling. I just, um, and, and even of course my inner chatter in my brain was like, what, are, what do you, it, it tried real hard to come through and say like, well, what do you mean you're certain? Like, how do you know, you know, and, but the amount of certainty I had for this was like so overpowering, it overpowered that voice that I was so used to hearing so much that it was non-negotiable. Just nope, mm. we're doing it. We're done. Boom. And we paid for it. And you know, it didn't even, all the, the lack mentality of how are we going to afford it didn't even phase me. It just went for it. Okay. And and when I told my husband out of that energy, he would usually question anything I wanted to spend that much money on, but he was just like, well, okay. It, it wasn't awesome. even a question. Like, 
he, the energy that I had and the certainty I had in that completely bypassed any anything that could have gotten in the way, like an old behavior of like, well, let's talk about it. We don't have the money. The lack mentality, it just completely bypassed that. It was, you know, there's so much to be learned from that mm-hmm. when you're fully in flow, when you are really listening to the divine, when you are truly aligned is the word I'm looking for. Yes. Nothing can get in the way. So it was right. incredible. I, I love that. That's right. <laughs> such a, such a great place to be. I love it too. Yeah. So let's talk a little bit about you trying to get pregnant and that, that journey. Take a moment to gather my thoughts here. Cause that was so <laughs> extensive. Sure. You know, I tried everything holistically. I, I was in denial. I was mm-hmm. in complete denial at first. I had always wanted to have children and I thought, what? Like, what do you mean I can't have children? Like, I just, it was just such a, conf- a place of confusion. And, and I just, you know, I went through the angry phase of like, God, why would you put something on my heart so big only to take it away? Like, that's just mean, mm-hmm. you know, that, and I lived yeah. there for a while. I just, you know, I didn't, now I understand it all. But at the time I, I was just very confused about it. We, sp- we spent a lot of money on the holistic journey and uh, working with a naturopath, trying to change my hormones and just everything. And, and, and finally, I, came, I, I finally came to grips with the fact that it was a reality and that maybe it wasn't, you know, maybe it wasn't meant to be and maybe there's another way and that I'm not in control. Right. Big, big part. <laughs> yeah. And so I let go of that control and I went, we went for the, the in vitro route. And that was a whole journey in and itself. The, the stress, anyone who's been through infertility mm. will completely understand the depth of the stress and the fear and the chaos and the disappointment and the tears and the worry, is it ever going to happen? And, and your life completely starts to depend, your future depends on whether or not you get pregnant. It's like, I'm either going to get pregnant and be happy, or I'm going to not get pregnant and I'm going to be unhappy. Mm. And that's where we end up going on this infertility journey. That's where it's the low of the low. And, you know, we tried three different rounds of IVF and uh, the first two failed. And I just, when, when I'm in a meditation or in a process where I'm being brought down to what's some time where you've like shadow work, where it's like you felt the lowest of lowest of lows. And it was those two times when I found out that I was, my pregnancy test was negative. And after all the shots and all the emotional craziness and to find out it was all for nothing is what it felt like. Mm. It was dark. Yeah. Dark. Yeah. So So painful. Yeah. So painful. And so then what happened was I was, I now know I needed to go there. Like I had to go there. And when I find, and during this time of IVF, I was also in coaching school, mind you, and doing a lot of darkness work and, you know, trying really hard to (laughs) overcome all my limiting beliefs and da da. But the, the pregnancy thing was just so stuck, you know, I'm like, well, let's try, Mm. it works for everything else, but it doesn't work for the infertility. You know, it'll only work when I finally get pregnant. Mm -hmm. And it wasn't until I finally was able to let it go 
And the way I let it go was I completely changed my view of my identity. Hmm. And I said, I do not identify with the infertility woman. I identify with this to this woman with a calling and a purpose to serve other people regardless of my own circumstances. Mm -hmm. And I just dove in and I hired a coach right when I graduated coaching. And I said, you know what? I'm in, I'm all in. And I just went full out and I was challenged to do this hundred coach, a hundred people for free in 90 days, just put it out there. And I had never gone live before (laughs) on social media. Right. And I was like, I was terrified. I mean, I was absolutely terrified. And I just was like, oh my God, I'm going to do it. And I watched that video back sometimes just to remind myself, like I was hiding my hands in my sleeves and fidgeting with everything. Like, hi, hi, hi. Um, I have no idea what I'm doing, but I'm just, I'm going live. And I want to coach a hundred people in 90 days and I'm so scared. <laughs> so adorable. No and Look um, at you now. And then I got this amazing response. Like I had so many people say, I'll do free coaching. And I was like, really? You know, <laughs> just, nice. and then, so I just went head first in it. I dove right in and it, it was around the time that I was getting ready to implant our third embryo. And I remember thinking like, I don't even care if I get pregnant at this point. I am so energized. I am so excited you know, and I just started to finally realize, oh, it doesn't even matter if I get pregnant. I know Mm. I have this calling on my heart and I believe wholeheartedly if you have a calling on your heart and it's not working the way you think it's going to work, shift. Right. Readjust. Yeah. Refocus. What's the word I'm looking for? There's a word. Pivot. Pivot. (laughs) Yes. And so here I am, I'm serving all these people almost to the point of pure exhaustion. And so I was just so excited and so terrified at the same time, and I'm so excited about it. And then we get, I get it implanted. The two week wait, anyone in infertility knows about the two week window. The two week wait after implantation to find out if you're pregnant is usually brutal. It barely faced me. It barely faced me because I was just like, yep, and if I'm pregnant, it's okay. And I don't know, I I don't want to take too much time on this, but there's a beautiful story that happened on the day I found out I was pregnant. All these mothers kept saying they wanted free coaching. These like new moms and mothers. Oh, interesting. And I was like, and I said, literally out loud, I said, God, universe, spirit, why are all of these new mothers wanting my coaching. Like that's one area I have no experience in. Right. Oh my <laughs> Not gosh. Not that it really so matters. Yeah. But I was like, that's just weird. I said, why would you put these new mothers in line? Like, that's just mean because I sort of still was thinking like, I'm probably not going to get pregnant. Mm. You know, it's probably not going to work. You know, if it does great, but I need to be mentally prepared if it doesn't. So I was like, why would you put these new mothers? And then I'm sitting at my desk exactly where I'm sitting now. I remember this so vividly Mm. and it just completely dawned on me. It was like, wait a second, that's a sign. Wait a second. That means I'm pregnant. I literally had the thought that means I'm pregnant and you're supposed to not take a home pregnancy test. I never did before on the other two tries. What's the reason for that? Why did they they say, say 
because you could get a false negative or a false positive oh. and they just don't want your emotion. So they strongly suggest you just wait for the blood test so you can get the accurate results and just, you know, and, and so I didn't do it the first two times. Right. And this time I was like, I'm pregnant. And it was early. It was too early to test too. Yeah. So yeah. I just was like, oh my God, test now. And I just went, peed on a stick, the most exhilarating, like couple minutes, five minutes of my life. <laughs> And I looked at it and it was two lines and I just, I shook. Anyway, mm. you can only imagine, you can yeah. only imagine how insanely just the moment I will never forget. Mm. I just remember shaking for hours and crying and just, oh. I knew it. I knew it was time. Wow. And, uh, it's yeah. Incredible. Thank yeah. you so much for sharing that. I love that. I love that story. I would have been upset if you didn't stare, if you didn't share it. <laughs> so thank you. I mean, yeah. as, as a mother myself, I know when I found out I was pregnant and yeah, I did the pee on the stick thing too. And I was like elated and I didn't, I didn't have to go through all that stuff that you went through. And I, I think maybe like the second month I tried to get pregnant, I did, but like the first month, you know, just not getting pregnant the first month being an, the overachiever that I am, I was like, like, wait a minute, what's up? And then, you know, and then I got pregnant the second month. So I didn't have to wait that long. But I know, like, in that moment, it was like, Oh, my God, it's happening. It's so beautiful. <laughs> so, I'm so I just, I always like when I'm doing my Tony Robbins priming, when they're like, mm -hmm. go, when he says, go back to a moment of gratitude, I always uh, first and foremost, go back to those two lines. <laughs> Oh my gosh, that's so my awesome. biggest moment. <laughs> and now your two lines have turned into a real child. I know. So yeah. let's get into that story a little bit. So Sydney has a very interesting story. Not only did she have trouble getting pregnant, but then her birthing process was a little bit of a surprise to say the least. So can you tell us a little bit about how that went, Sydney? And this is actually when I when I first got introduced to Sydney, I saw when she was in the hospital and kind of what was going on. So yeah, let's pick up there and. Okay. Ooh. Big one. <laughs> That's a big one. <laughs> take That's a sip a... of water for that one. I hear um, you and a deep breath. So I was induced. I didn't want to be induced, but that's another story. But I was induced uh, two days after my due date and I was in the hospital. You know, what happened after the birth really always trumps the before part because that was still so insane. When I went in, I was induced and I was basically in labor for 50 hours. Like this baby did not want to come out. <laughs> oh my gosh. So for those of you who can't see this because you're listening to it, my jaw just dropped. <laughs> 50 hours? <laughs> That's insane. You deserve a medal of honor or something for that. It was crazy. Mm. And he was sunny side up, meaning he was basically like his head was down, but his face was up. And so it was the wrong way. And finally, finally, when I went into labor, the crazier part is that I pushed, push, push, no breaks, pushed for two and a half hours. And, oh. um, and I started thinking I was going to die <laughs> because yeah. that was just there's no words for that. That was just um, out of this world experience. And so I also, during that, I went septic and I got, oh I turned septic and I got a fever. And when he finally came out, I, my eyes were swollen shut. I couldn't see the baby. I could teeny weeny out this like teeny sliver mm. of my eyes because I had 
blown all the whatever blood vessels around my eyes. They were bloodshot and swollen shut. The pictures are just insane. And I was full of fluid. And they took him off to the side because something about his heart, I don't know. I just remember thinking, I know the baby's fine. I didn't have any worries about the baby. There's something Mm. in me had complete peace that he was fine, but I wasn't exactly sure about myself. Oh my god! Which isn't funny, but I just remember thinking like, this is not good. And so then my OB was saying, Sydney, your placenta is not coming out. It was, so it was considered retained. And she said, we're going to have to take you back to the OR to try to get it out with the DNC. And I want you to know, I might have to remove your uterus. And I was just like, I started just bawling and I was like, please don't remove my uterus. You know, I knew I wanted to have another baby. We had frozen embryos still like please don't take my uterus. Even though, even after pushing for two and a half hours, I was like, yeah, I'll take my uterus. Uh, <laughs> I right. don't even know right. how I had the strength. I'm surprised I wasn't like, okay, go ahead. Please take it, take it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh and my um, gosh. I said, please don't take my uterus. And so mm. went back to the OR and, you know, they put me under and I came out, I was in ICU and turned out that my kidneys had shut down. Oh, I'm sorry. In the ICU, I lost four liters of blood. Oh, unbelievable. And it almost died. I mean, it was, you know, and it wasn't until another doctor came in. So I've now learned another doctor came in and was able to actually get the placenta out and stop the bleeding. And he was basically, it was like an angel. He was in a miracle. If he had not come in, I probably would have bled to death. Um, do you were, do you remember those, those moments when you were near death? Do you, did you have like a near death experience or any of that? Or no. do you, is it just you're out? I was, I was put under, I was sedated. Anesthesia. Yeah. yeah. And mm-hmm. so, no, I don't, I don't recall any of that. And I definitely didn't go, go anywhere. <laughs> um, but yeah, if he hadn't come in, I, I probably would have bled to death. And so, mm-hmm. I've since thanked this individual. I've made him brownies. I've thanked him. I've (laughs) cried to him. Anyway, so I come out. I'm in ICU, and it turns out my kidneys were shut down. And I filled up with fluid. I I ultimately ended up having over 50 pounds of just fluid on my body. You would not have recognized me. Well, Um, I remember you from the videos, and you look like a different person than you did in those videos. Right. Yes. And I couldn't move. I couldn't move my body. I couldn't even roll to the side without excruciating pain, even on like pain meds. I was on tons of morphine for like a long time, but I couldn't because of the fluid around my lungs. It was unbelievable just to go in to have a baby. And the worst part of it all was I could not see the baby. Oh my God, here you waited so long to get pregnant and have this baby and all that labor and pushing and then you couldn't see him. That's I couldn't see him. Heartbreaking. It's heartbreaking. It was crushing. It was so crushing. And, it's, and in that moment, I had to just take that pain and shove it so far down to where, I mean, I, I couldn't. I couldn't deal with it when I was in the hospital and I took it and I just used it as fuel. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I'm going to get the F out of here. You're incredible. I'm going to do whatever. I mean, this 
inner strength just blew out of me. And it was like this new mom strength and this, this, you know, everything I, I had in me was like, I'm going to survive this and I'm going to get out of here and I'm going to do it. I'm going to not fall into pity. I'm not going to fall into fear. I'm going to just focus on the outcome. And literally that's what I did. It just came out of me. This warrior spirit just totally Mm -hmm. came in to being. And, and, you know, that doesn't mean that I did not have days where I was just like, oh my God, get me out of here. Of course, of course. But I know in that moment I had a choice. I could be a victim or I could be a warrior. And I just chose to be a warrior. And it was really profound actually. And sometimes I'm like, wow, I really, really proud of myself for a real badass. (laughs) Yeah. Like, God, if I can do that, like what else can I do? You know, superwoman. Yeah. So, uh, I was in the hospital for a month and, um, my kidneys were shut down and, and mind you, they are still shut down. And that was, uh, that was November. That was why I gave birth November 6th, 2019. And my kidney shut down and I eventually got on dialysis. And I also was diagnosed with something called AHUS. And it's a very rare blood disorder that if your immune system is like the fighter soldiers, then AHUS causes your immune system to like keep fighting and keep fighting like to the point where they've already fought off the bad guys. Now they're attacking your kidneys. Mm, And it's like, so they just continue to add fight and sword. I just imagine these little swords going after my kidneys, you know, and mm-hmm. um, they finally realized that I had that, which was simply because due to the birth at trauma, it was just something mm-hmm. triggered from traumatic birth. It's not genetic because it can be genetic, but I did the genetic test. Mine's not genetic. I was diagnosed with that. And once they gave me this drug, this crazy $500,000 a year drug, by the way, which is insane. Thank God for insurance. Oh, right. <laughs> I hear you. <laughs> so they put me on that and that basically calms or sedates the little fighter guys. Mm. So with my case, a lot of times if they catch it early enough, your kidneys can come back. And, you know, that whole month in the hospital, we were just waiting, you know, come on kidneys. And man, I had prayer warriors out of control. Mm -hmm. Um, I was one of them. Yeah. Thank you. I was praying (laughs) for you for sure. Yeah. Oh, thank (sighs) you. So I, I finally was released a month later. I went home and the best feeling in the world was to go home. I cried literally the whole drive home. Mm. Um, But when I got home, it was hard. It was really hard. I had a new baby, an infant. And under any circumstance, that's challenging, right? But then having been through what you, what you went through. So yeah. Where were you emotionally at that point? I mean, how were you getting through the days? I was still in a very, um, yes, I had a good mindset. I mean, all things considered, I will credit myself to that, but it was still very heavy. Uh, the, Mm -hmm. the, you know, having almost no energy to get out of bed, you know? And then right. not only that, my husband, he would get up with the baby, but I wanted to. Of course, your new you mommy. Know? Yeah. I wanted to, but I would have to take like two or three Zofran. Mm, because you felt so nauseous. Because I would just be nauseous if I had to get up and do it. So oh. it was like, I would do the Zofran, but I would have to do that every, every time he woke mm. up. And, um, 
it was, it was just really hard and really exhausting and, um, yeah. yeah. And, and heavy, heavy is the best word I can mm-hmm. give that. And, you know, I just had all these expectations, keyword. I had yes. all these expectations for what I thought my motherhood was going to be like. I mean, look at all my, my mm-hmm. trying to get pregnant and, I had planned this perfect birth that was supposed to be all natural and it turned out nothing like that, even though I, right. I wasn't totally said I knew that it can go, you know, anything could happen, but sure, just, it was so hard to accept that it was so different. And, and it yeah. was like the phases of the blame again, blaming myself. You know, I was like this in my infertility journey and came back in this journey has just been like, mm did I do this to my body, you know, mm-hmm. through all the, the ways I didn't take care of my body in my earlier years? And, and do I deserve this? And is this, you know, I just had all those thoughts and, and the guilt right. and the blame and the shame and the devastation, you know, it was always lingering. It was always yeah. lingering. And it's so interesting because anybody listening to this would say, are you crazy? Like, of course you didn't you didn't bring this upon yourself. I mean, you know, you just, this happened to you and we're for you as we say in the Tony world. Right. But it's, you know, blaming yourself. I think that's, that's kind of a natural response for a lot of us, especially as a new mother, you want everything to be so perfect and, and stay tuned because there'll be other things that you'll encounter (laughs) as your son gets older, where you'll feel like you're not doing the right thing or you're not doing enough or should I have done this differently? But but yeah, but certainly, um, let me assure you that it was, it was not your fault. So. Right. Which I, I know that now for sure. Yes. And then I'd say the hardest part of it all was just the, aside from just feeling terrible, a very large majority of the time was having to leave and go to dialysis three days a week for four right. hours at a time in the middle of the day, you know, from 11 to four. And you're still and doing that, right? I am. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, you know, when I get back from dialysis, I'm wiped out. You know, I, I can't be a mom. That's what I always say. It's so hard for me to be the mom I want to be after dialysis. The right. days in between now, I'm pretty great. That's terrific. But, you know, dialysis still makes me tired now. I don't have the same old beliefs about dialysis that I currently do, which I guess we'll get into. So, so Sydney, tell me this. So, like, you talked about, you know, you, you don't feel like you can be the mother you want to be. And when you're going to dialysis, you have this guilt. So take off your mom hat now and put on your coaching hat. What would you tell Sydney if you were not Sydney and you were coaching her? Great question. Well, that kind of leads me into what's really changed for me. What's really, I've had a major shift in the past. I mean, I can't say there was one moment where everything shifted for me, but I've been learning some really fundamental truths that have changed everything for me. Hi there, my amazing Chronically Courageous community. It's Bonnie. And I decided that since Sydney has such an incredible story and so many different parts to it, that we're going to divide this episode into two episodes. So next week, tune in to find out what happened when she made that shift and how she's living her life now. It's going to be amazing. The best is yet to come. 
It means the world to me that you took your time and energy to listen to this entire episode of The Chronically Courageous. If you know others that would benefit from listening, please share it with them. And if you haven't yet, please subscribe, rate, and review the show on your podcast player of choice. I welcome your feedback and questions. So please email me at bonnie at thechronicallycourageous.com. That's B-O-N-N-I at thechronicallycourageous.com. As always, I'm sending you so much love, happiness, and healing.